Yes, sir. That's right, baby. Green and growing better each year. Green and growing, the pups don't stop here. Rowdy, fear the freaking deer. The Milwaukee Bucks get a victory over the Chicago Bulls. It was a little dice. Well, I mean, this is an NBA game, okay? In, in the NBA game, the Bucks were running away at the game in the first quarter. And then I saw a lot of people overreacting, all going on to be like, oh, my God, Bucks are going to roll the Bulls. They're going to roll them. What do we know about the NBA? The NBA is a game of runs. It doesn't matter what the score is in the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. It really just matters what's in the fourth. Bucks got a big lead, and then the Bulls, second, third quarter, giving their best shot, and then the Deer got it done in the fourth. A nice little victory. And win ugly mentality as the Deer get it 93-86. Giannis is in the Kumbo despite foul trouble. Unstoppable. Playoff mode activated. Like I Good get, line. I get the NBA is a game of runs, but then other things that I don't quite understand is <laughs> if you watch that first quarter, obviously the Bucks defense was turned up. They were creating a lot of turnovers. Yeah. The Bulls couldn't buy a shot. And I think one of the biggest things that I noticed is they were playing almost through Brooke Lopez because if you noticed when Giannis was getting the ball, like in a half court set, mm-hmm. they were doubling Giannis yeah. when the double came. A lot of times they got it to Lopez either for a shot or rolling to the hoop. They got away from that in the second, third, and even parts of the fourth quarter. And I'll, I'll say in the second and the third quarter, the Bucks just all of a sudden looked disinterested. They didn't look like they they looked like they were going through the motions like they were just kind of there. They weren't really trying it was to win. Sloppy. It was a sloppy game. They, they put so many points on the board, and Chicago, like I said, couldn't hit a basket in the first quarter that they ran up such a lead. I, I didn't understand it, though, why they all of a sudden took out Lopez and stopped playing through him when in the past, in the, in the four games that they played against Chicago, he had absolutely dominated Vukovic and had some big-time numbers compared to just his standard normal games. Yeah. I didn't get why they went away from it. Like, I get they probably want to conserve some of these guys, uh, especially Lopez, who was out with a back injury. Sure. But sometimes, especially for me, it's just like, just go hammer them. This is this is what's uh, awesome to me about the NBA playoffs, and this was something that happened last year when the Bucks went on to win their first championship in 50 years. Every game, and it gets, it gets more... You know, more drama, uh, more tense, more hyper focused uh, as it, the playoffs near towards the championship. But every game in the NBA playoffs, especially on Twitter for NBA playoff Twitter, every game everyone's got like the hottest takes and the doomsday scenarios. How many times did we fired Mike Budenholzer last year in the playoffs, Rowdy? I think we fired him like eight times throughout the run in the playoffs. Remember all that? Uh, I think it was. I think it was just uh, just once. <laughs> just once where we just like we couldn't I think that believe was when was they happening. started off terribly against the Hawks. Like, um, that's when everyone was screaming. You go on Twitter for, uh, and if you have Twitter, if you go on Twitter during NBA playoffs, uh, everyone, uh, you know, I'll just go Milwaukee Bucks fans, uh, from the casuals, well, it's usually just the casuals, just have the most craziest, emboldened, just fire takes. That's like. Well, it's one game of a best of seven series. It's the first round. The Bucks are absolutely going to roll the Chicago Bulls. In fact, uh, Giannis Adendikumbo talking about it after the game. We'll get to his comments of Giannis saying that, hey, it's it's a it's a win ugly approach. Like it's it wasn't pretty, but we won. It's you're one nothing now in the series in the first round. Yeah, and like going back and looking at the game when they got away from Lopez, 
in that second and third quarter, it was the Bucks literally were just there. Yeah, that's that's what I felt like. Like they were ju- they were on the court, but they were there, there. Yeah, they, they just go through, didn't go seem, through the motions, right? Yeah, it didn't seem like they were trying very hard, <laughs> which sounds weird in a playoff game. But uh, but another thing is they didn't get much from Middleton. No, he had a terrible they terrible game. They didn't get much from Holiday. Yeah, Holiday showed up late at the end. And they didn't get a ton from anybody else. I guess you could say Bobby Portis had 10 off off yeah. the bench. But yeah, their big three as in Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. Giannis followed trouble. Yeah, Giannis was in foul trouble, but he played a really good oh, game. Oh, he was on stop. He was 19. When Giannis was on the court, the Bucks were 19 points better. And Middleton was terrible. Middleton wasn't there. And Holiday, Holiday showed up Holiday wasn't end. there. Lopez showed up in two quarters when they actually tried to get him the ball. Yeah. And then Bobby Portis was like the only other guy. I was like stunned watching the game and they had Carter out there. <laughs> the guy didn't even look like he wanted the basketball. Uh, Javon no, Carter. Like he knows his place, yeah. but it was like, what in the hell is, I don't even, I think that's the most he's played in a game out that they've like had a competitive one. I played like 10 minutes. Uh, Rowdy in his last 10 games, he averaged in his last 10 games. He had 16 minutes total yesterday. 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, you could tell, like, there were times when he was out on the court where it was like, don't pass me the ball. I'm, I'm out don't here. Do it. Don't pass. Don't, don't do or, it. like, when he got Please it. Please don't. Don't do it. It's like the guy, like, once he got it, he's instantly looking for someone to get it to <laughs> so he could get it out of his hands. Yeah. But uh, at least he didn't. You know that kid when you're growing up, that kid in, like, uh, you know, recreational basketball, he like dribble right to the corner and then you just like dribble, dribble, and he'd block himself in the corner. Kind of around like Javon Carter. Just pass it out. Don't give it to me, dude. But like the Bucks, I just when I was sitting there watching it, I actually did get a little nervous. I'm like, did the Bucks kind of overplay their oh, hand totally. here, where they're not they're not playing hard, as in they're going to run out of time? Because the Bulls started picking it up now. Since Lonzo Ball went down there, a below 500 team, but this is still the playoffs. Yeah, this isn't just a regular weekend game in the NBA anymore. The calendar has turned to April. Yeah, well, the Bucks Bucks up one nothing in the series, and I think it was one of those last year. I remember the Bucks sleepwalking a little bit. It felt like no, they you know, lost the first on. game of the yeah. first round, but like it just wasn't Chris. Like Chris Middleton, he is bad. Drew Holiday, they didn't play well. And, oh, my, there was so many times where they kind of drove to the bucket and maybe they had, like, a little bit of an angle to either score or pass the basketball uh-huh. and just terrible passes. Yeah. Like, like if Lo- you're professional? Yeah, if Lopez was, like, rolling to the hoop, Holiday would, like, almost, like, short hop him, like, off his yeah. feet or off his knee. And you're just sitting there watching that going, Man, the Bucks just—they just don't look that great. Now they did turn it on the second half of the fourth quarter, came back, won the game by seven, and yeah. the last couple minutes you but, didn't uh, feel too worried. I think but, when Drew Holiday hit those final two free throws, you're like, "All right, we're good now." With about 15 seconds, well, even before that, did I interrupt you? Sorry. No, I'm just. The, no. It was it was a win. It didn't look like a team where you're like, all right, this is going to be an NBA Finals team, but it's the first game and they got to win. Yeah, and the the Bucks now beaten the Chicago Bulls 17 of their last 18 times, and they played all five meetings this season. Uh, game two, Wednesday night, Giannis Nkumbo has now beaten the Chicago Bulls 14 straight times in his career. So the Greek freak. I mean, the, the foul trouble, this is what I don't understand about Giannis Nkumbo. Rowdy, Giannis Nkumbo is... 
an MVP, a, a championship MVP, won a championship, obviously. He is a superstar. Does Giannis Adenokounmpo still not get superstar calls? Why in the playoffs are you having the Greek freak in foul trouble? Or were they just that egregious? Uh, I'd say it. At least half of them were just that egregious. <laughs> well, but, if at least half of them, they wouldn't have the foul trouble. But uh, I did see a lot of people on Twitter whining about Giannis being in foul trouble. And I'm like, my God, man, it's already the NBA. You get six. Yeah. Well, again, Rowdy, that's NBA playoff Twitter. Everyone's got the hottest and most craziest takes when the playoffs come around. Like it's going to be the end of the world. If Giannis, you know, gets a couple fouls here. Like and there. my advice would be just don't be a hack. <laughs> Yes. Like it's okay. You get six. <laughs> I think there was watching it. I think there was at least four fouls or at least three or four fouls out of what Giannis's five mm-hmm. where they were clearly fouls. So I, I'm not, I am wrong in saying he should be getting some superstar calls, even though they weren't superstar. I, I think the one, what was the one was a charge. Yeah. Okay. There was one or two that were charges. Let him play. This <laughs> is Brad Davison taking that charge for the bed. One or two that were charges, probably at least one of them was probably wrong. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's uh, they got to win. It's you know, it didn't feel the prettiest. It didn't feel the greatest. But at the end of the day, all you got to do is survive and and keep winning. And that's what the Bucks have done. One and zero now in the first round uh, of the series. Now, what do you have to wait until Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday eight thirty. What's with what's with the NBA spreading these games out so much? I don't know, dude. But yeah, the playoffs won't end until mid June. Well, these does it make sense how like some of these teams are playing on Friday and then turning around and playing on Sunday? Yeah, and then others are going from Sunday to, to Wednesday. Wednesday. It's like it's like really. And then uh, we wanted to get into this today too, Chris Middleton. So Chris Middleton is like the most confusing. Number two, I think I've ever seen on any NBA team. Chris Middleton will have games like he did last night, and you'll be like wondering, they gave you a contract? Like, what? Tough night for Middleton. Four of 13 from the field, turned the ball over seven times. Well, the Bucks and had 11 three. points. Yeah. Chris Middleton was still plus 11 on the plus, or I'm sorry, what was he? Plus four on the plus minus. Drew Holiday is plus 11. A plus four was Chris Middleton. How does the plus minus work, Rowdy, when I have eyes and I see Middleton look as poor as he was, but still is he four points better when he's on the court? I think when you look that good, as in your plus minus is positive, means the guys around you are playing a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Giannis was, Giannis was plus 19. Was insane, dude, for uh, the Greek freak. But yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks, they did not shoot the ball well from behind the arc either. Like Middleton couldn't hit him. Giannis. 26.3%. Yeah, Giannis didn't shoot him very well. The Bulls were 18.9. Drew Holiday didn't shoot very well. Pat Connaughton, I don't even know if he hit a shot. It seemed like every time it went up for him, it was clanking uh, off the rim. Planet Pat hit one. He had one of six from beyond the, uh, <laughs> I beyond had, the arc. One of the, one of the funniest things ever was, I was texting my buddy who's a big NBA guy. and I'm Connor? Going, Weird that uh, they've went away from Lopez after the first quarter when it seemed like he was getting whatever he wanted inside or when they were rolling to the hoop and passing it to him. And he go, he he said something, whatever. And then literally like two seconds later, Lopez had an open three in the corner and he shot it off the side of the backboard. Like it, it was a brutal <laughs> shot. I text him back and go, Never mind. I, I understand why they went away from <laughs> I get. I understand it now. Yeah. Uh, win ugly for the Bucks. We'll get the comments from Giannis coming up here. Uh, Giannis also putting on a show 
Uh, that one donkey head was sick as hell. I mean, had a couple of them. So we'll uh, get some comments from Giannis Adenokounmpo. The Bucks, yes, Wednesday night now, uh, game number two uh, for the Bulls at the Pfizer Forum. I don't know. You, you still feeling the? Uh, you still feeling the Bucks in five? You think the Bulls are gonna get one maybe at home? Yeah, I on think sun, uh, on I, Sunday. I, I, I think they play Sunday. I'm sticking with the five. I mean, you look at the Bucks didn't particularly play well, but if they have I mean, another one. Matters. If they have another one where they don't play well and Chicago actually makes shots. I mean, Chicago came out of the gates in this game horribly. Like oh, they, they are bad. They couldn't they make bad. a shot. Okay, so I'm sorry. Game game three is Friday. Game four is Sunday. So it goes. It'll go Wednesday. Game two. Friday will be game three, and then Sunday's game four. Isn't that weird? You go from you go from having three days to two days for the next two. I don't. I, I never understand the uh, the schedule makers when it comes to that. It's, it's got to be for television, obviously, and, and whatever. And something else we want to get into today, uh, when it comes to the broadcast of the NBA's playoffs, or just the NBA in general, it's something that uh, Rowdy and I were messaging about each other last night, or early after, yesterday afternoon, about uh, the compare and contrast from TNT and their broadcast crew compared to the likes of like you know ESPN or something. So we'll get into that, as I love the TNT guys. Right, Rowdy? You love the TNT guys. That's who I would prefer to watch. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. As uh, the NBA playoffs, very young, have uh, just started. They do not remember, they do not count the play-in games as the NBA's playoffs. So just keep that in mind, which is still kind of bizarre to me, but whatever. But yeah, so let's see here. Um, the Heat, they beat the Hawks 115-91. to 91. Yeah, this, they destroyed the Hawks. I, that was they got pounded. Another programming note, just of a personal uh, thing here. <laughs> I think I've now officially watched more NBA full NBA basketball games since the calendar turned to April than I what? did from October all the way through March. Brody, you did say wake me up when March ends, did you not? You're yeah, like, but I'm officially awake now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, April turned turned around, and everybody's like, "All right, time for some NBA." I, I watched the Hawks Heat. Uh, I did pass on the Celtics Ooh, that was Brooklyn. A, game. I just got the end of it. Doozy. That was, that was more of my Brewers time. Yeah. Oh, we'll get in the Brewers coming up too. But yeah, Celtics on a crazy game. Uh, Tatum wins it at the buzzer. Dramatic finish. One fifteen to one fourteen. Kyrie Irving not. He does not like TD Garden, Boston, and Boston TD Garden does not like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was flipping off some fans yesterday. I don't know if you saw the video or not, Rowdy. I saw the I saw a picture of it. He was flipping off some fans as they were calling him all kinds of names and Kyrie on the podium after the game. Um, we'll I'll play the audio. It's a good one, so we'll get into it. And then let's see here. The Suns beat the Pelicans one ten to ninety. Yeah, I watched all three of the games outside of the Nets and Celtics from start to finish. It also helps when you have a little bit of uh, you have some wagers on them. But what'd, C- you, what'd, you, what'd you wager on? CP three is thirty a beast. Thirty point seven rebounds. C- CP three is the point guard. Yeah, I've dude. He's been. When did he get into the league? Two thousand and two thousand and I think five. I was gonna say it's like I think I was just. Almost done of high school when he was getting into the league. See, yeah, he's like they, timeless. They were talking about 36-year-old Chris Paul, CP3. 2005, well done, Rowdy. Dude, he was everything. I See, this is another thing with Pick like the four. why did the Bucks get away from Lopez after the first quarter? Why do the Suns ever get away from Chris Paul? <laughs> because every time he handles the basketball, if they give him a little pick and roll at the top of the key, 
the guy either makes like a mid-range jumper that's just swish, mm-hmm. makes a pass where they're getting a layup or a dunk, and or kind of turns off of it and hits a three. I literally don't think he missed more than a couple times last night. Like he, everything he did was flawless. Yeah, I mean, the, when you're that, when you're 36 years old, and still balling like that, I mean, you you your game has got to be just dialed in. All right, so uh, NBA playoffs, uh, a little recap for you right there. I love music. I love to express myself through song. And with the Milwaukee Bucks winning, I express myself through this song. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Turn it on and rip the knob off. Yes, sir. Your Milwaukee Bucks, my friends, won nothing in the first round playoff series against the Chicago Bulls. Playoff Giannis activated. Giannis didn't come with a foul trouble, but still, when he was on the court, he was 19 points better the Bucks were when he was on the floor. Uh, absolutely incredible. In that game, in that game, Rowdy, Giannis did Nakumbo in the second quarter. Did a little uh, self-pass. It was pretty sick. Uh, did you, Here, I'll just play it really quick. Get into it quickly here with Adetokounmpo. Caruso hangs in there, slams! 11 rebounds that in was, the first uh, half. Giannis Antetokounmpo. That was incredible right there. I mean, that was good defense. I thought Caruso did a good job sliding his feet, and he just threw it up there and went and got it. He talked to Billy Donovan. The self-pass from Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's driving down the lane. He throws it up against the backboard, and then he just throws down a vicious dunk. The Greek freak Giannis. What can't this man do? I don't even think Giannis has peaked yet either, which is scary to say. He's definitely scratched the surface, but I don't believe Giannis Adenokounmpo has peaked. To quote Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Rowdy, I haven't even begun to peak. Do you think Giannis has peaked yet? We've been talking talking about has Giannis peaked, I think, since 2018, and I think it's safe to say since 2018 where they lost that series where they're up 2 to nothing. It was at 18 into 19, the Mm 18-19 season where they lost that series to Toronto and Kawhi Leonard. They were up two to nothing in the Eastern conference finals and lost four straight games. Yeah. And since that season, I think you can easily argue. And I really don't think anyone trying to play devil's advocate has much of an argument No, that Giannis has grown every single season since then in his skills and in his complete game. He's better and better I would say right now, looking at Giannis, Coming into the season, what was his big question marks? It was shooting the three ball and it was free throws. Well, I think he cleaned up at least one of those, and that's clearly the free throws because he's been much better. <laughs> I saw him shooting some threes to begin the game for the Bucks. Yeah, yesterday. the three is the three is still not anywhere near where you'd like it to be. But he can just take over a game and assert dominance. But he took he took he took another step in his game by being able to consistently make free throws. It's not sitting there watching him shoot, you know, forty to fifty five percent. He's now shooting like yeah. what close to seventy. Giannis is yeah, he's incredible, dude. That's and- another big step. The only thing. I think he has left to to really do is shoot a three ball. He may never, ever get it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was. Dude, Giannis is incredible. Um, For that little, you know, off the backboard pass to himself and the vicious dunk, I wanted to play his little comment here after uh, the game on the podium. Just take a listen to the freak himself. I don't know. I just it's just instincts. Uh, you know, um, Sometimes I feel like I get uh, I get stuck. I'm looking at my passes. There's no pass there, and all the passes 
to the backboard. Uh, sometimes you're able to finish the play. Sometimes you're not able to uh, get it. I'll, I'll say it's just instinct. And those instincts, they take over big time in the playoffs. I actually saw something on Twitter that I thought was really interesting when talking about Giannis. It was two people going back and forth about who was better, Giannis or KD, and who would you rather have? And I think for the first time ever, I think I would say I'd rather have Giannis. I mean, what he did in game seven against the Phoenix Suns to score 50 points after he almost had his like leg amputated, you know, what was that, the series before? What he did was incredible. It's he cemented himself as I mean, he already did, but he cemented himself as like he's on the Pantheon route. The guy arguing for Giannis in this little dispute he was saying, and I 100% agree with him, if I need a score that's going to score from anywhere on the floor, I'm taking KD. Sure. But Giannis's entire game. Like, KD's the type of guy that can play good defense, but like a lot of NBA players, definitely takes possessions off playing defense. Yeah. Where, like, Giannis is always playing defense. He's, what, been up for Defensive Player of the Year pretty much since 2018-19. Yep. Every single year is in the mix to win that award. Plus, you have the guy that can basically score the the basketball at will once he gets into the post. Now he's gotten better at free throws. He can't make every single shot on the, on the floor like KD can, but I think overall I would still rather have Giannis than KD at this point. Yeah. He's incredible. And he's only going to be getting better. That's the thing. Again, I don't think he's peaked and he, he can get better at the three. I don't know what else you get better at besides free throws and threes we were talking about. But that when Giannis, I, I'm fine with where he's at free throw wise these oh, days. To, totally. I think he's around 70%. That's for me, that's good enough, especially with Giannis, who's going to get to the line a ton because he, he makes a lot of plays in the paint. Mm-hmm. But uh, did you see what the King said on Twitch? I love how Caruso took an elbow from Bobby at the end and the refs were just like, game's over anyways. Yeah. I didn't even think that was an elbow. I didn't think it was bad or anything. He, he literally came down with the rebound and his elbow and, I guess, arms just kind of were there because he grabbed the board. And Caruso, being the little rat that he is, well, got in the rat. way. That Did you, did you well, watch? I would say this from Happy Gilmore. He shouldn't have been standing there. Did you watch the... Uh, that was clearly incidental contact and really was more or less because Caruso tried to get under Bobby Portis while he was coming down with the rebound. Did you watch the Suns and the Pelicans game? No, I, I mean, I had it on his background noise, but so it was that too, was like, the late game. In. It got over probably around 1030. Yeah, that game, better. there was a clearly dirty play and Reggie Miller went off on it and it was at the end of the game. So DeAndre Ayton was running up the court after the Pelicans scored. Yeah. And I believe it was Jones, their really good perimeter defender, who's like, I think he's like six, 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 somewhere in there where DeAndre Ayton's over seven feet tall. Yeah, he's a big boy. And he was him and Chris Paul. And obviously you got to throw Devin Booker in there. were dominating. He was just running up the court and he kind of had his head turned. And this Jones came running up, jumped into him and, and shouldered him right go, in the face. I'll have to go. That was that was like a dirty play and the refs went and looked at that one. Cause you know how they re- like oh, they yeah. review everything, everything now for flagrant foul yeah. and said that he was trying to pick up the guy because they were, you know, going to press a little bit. He was trying to pick up Chris Paul on the other side when he might've been making his way over to Chris Paul, but he clearly came into Deandre Ayton and jumped up into a seven, seven foot plus tall guy and drilled him right in the face with his shoulder. And there was nothing called for that one either. Reggie play Miller. Play like, basketball, let him play, Rowdy. Reggie Miller was like freaking out. Because at first basketball. they're like, oh, that was incidental contact. Did they but, remind Reggie that he played in the 90s? 
No, but but I I'm with him. It was clear as day the guy did not have to go over that close to him and jump up to, <laughs> and throw like a shoulder. Things get a little t- a little contentious there in the. Playoffs. I was surprised as all hell that they didn't rule like, flagrant. flagrant. <laughs> Yesterday, the Milwaukee Brewers split their series. With the St. Louis Cardinals, got a nice little win. It was a little nervous there at the end, but t- dude, how about this? What did they walk? Was it walking Rowdy Telez to bring up Tyrone? Who, who they walked to Tyrone Taylor uh, yesterday? They walked someone to get to Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor comes up in the seventh and hits a double that led to be the difference there for your Milwaukee Brewers. And Josh Hader came in and got his one hundredth save. Which was awesome. Fourth for this season. Devin Williams tried to blow it. Yeah, yeah he really Can, did, didn't he? Like, I don't... That whole situation, uh, when you're one and two and throwing stuff low and outside, y- you know, the final... Just throw strikes. What, what? And how about, the, how about Ashby to start the game, too? The dude was like... Well, that's like blocking everybody. He put a yeah. He put somebody on in every inning he was in. Bases were loaded in yeah. the first. Well, oh, that's that's the thing. The Brewers came into this weekend series with the St. Louis Cardinals, and all of the Brewers beat writers, the Will Salmons of the world, the Adam McAlvies of the world, all of them had tweets and articles talking about how high the Milwaukee Brewers' walk rates were for their pitchers, mm-hmm. not only the starters but also the bullpen. They were, like, by far the worst team in Major League Baseball so far for the first uh, week and a half of the season when it came to walk rates for their pitching staffs. And it really wasn't particularly close. And that's, again, like you guys said, Aaron Ashby was walking guys early, had to, you know, tightrope out of some situations, then gave Stevie up Ray a Vaughan. then gave up a bomb oh. to Albert Pujols. And, that's, I yeah. want to get to that and, and then Devin Williams comes in and... He couldn't throw strikes, and I was literally just sitting there, like in shock, just like just throw strikes. <laughs> I even have Becker texting me, oh, hadn't heard from him in a while, and he's talking about yeah, Becker Burns what, the he- what the hell is Devin Williams doing? He goes hasn't looked right all year, and, and he's not throwing strikes. And luckily, they brought in Trevor Gott. Trevor Gott of all guys. Uh, now he's throwing he the ball. Got. He's throwing the ball really well to start the season. Now, granted, it's been less than two weeks, but this was a guy that really never had much taste of big league baseball, was pretty much a quadruple-A, triple-A pitcher. He's in his late 20s, so, I mean, he's getting to the point where it's like, hey, it's about make or break it for you in the big leagues. And he's looked really good this year. They bring him in. For some reason, Trevor Gott can figure out how to throw strikes. And isn't it amazing that once you start throwing strikes, or at least a first pitch strike, how much easier it is to get guys out? And I forget yes. which at bat it yes, was. It and if it, I think it would have been out number two for um, for Williams. But you're on a guy two and one, and then you kept throwing your changeup in the dirt rather than go high, climb the ladder with a fastball and make the guy swing. Because guys were swinging at it if, it, if it when he threw it. Well, he threw it on three two. Guy didn't have to swing because well, he would have been the second well, out, well, and well. you've already proven you can't hit the strike zone. You know, he knew like high heat was coming. Yeah, and I saw and it was some just people. Off. Some people were freaking out that uh, what's wrong with Hater? What's wrong with Hater? He's not warming up in the bullpen when Williams got in trouble in the eighth inning. Yeah, you know, bring even, in his role is not going to be a multiple yeah, guy this year. Hater's well, only ninth. They've even was, talked about it. This was <laughs> I saw multiple people on Twitter saying that they're like, "What's wrong with What's wrong with Hater? Nothing. He, they need him to come in this and get one what, more out. This is what, four out. This is what they you know. Do. Four out uh, save. 
my response to the one person that specifically texted me goes, you know, Craig Council babies, Josh Hader. Yeah. And let's not forget, he did pitch in four out of or in three out of the last five games. Yeah. And he got up in another one of those games. So technically he was up for four out of the last five and pitched in three out of the last hey, five. Do you really yeah. think he was going to bring him in for multiple innings? No. Hey, that, this that, that, year, bubble wrap, that bubble wrap ain't coming off to the ninth inning. This year, the way the bullpen's set up, he is solely going to be the ninth inning guy. He's the like, yeah. closer. He He's not going to come in for multiple inning saves. Yep. I just can't believe that uh, Trevor Gott has been as good as he's been. And Dude, people, people can say, or, or no, it was last week. Remember, I asked We're you. We're going to start like, the hashtag last got week because Gott came into the game like, "Dude, that's the guy's slider's nasty." I'm like, "What do you know about this Gott guy, Rowdy?" He's like, "Low stress reliever, lucky to be up in the bigs, kind of." Well, okay, think <laughs> about it. You're going to hear everyone tell you that this was David Stearns and the Brewers organization getting a guy in and making him a good pitcher. That's just simply not true, and the reason why is. They signed Trevor Gott, if you remember correctly. He was like one of the last moves before Hunter Renfro, before the the lockout. They are not allowed to work with players during the lockout. So they signed him. Then I think literally a day after is when they traded for Renfro. Get locked out. He's unable to work with the Milwaukee Brewers because technically they're on a work stoppage. He's unemployed. Yeah, And then all of a sudden they come back. They get a three and a half week spring training and it's not six and a half weeks. Trevor got only in my opinion made the Brewers opening day roster because he was one of the relievers that was out of options. So if they had sent him down to triple a, when he started the season in triple a, he'd be on waivers and someone else could gobble him up. That's, that's how he got the inside track into being in this bullpen. And then once he got his opportunity, he has been really good. He's been throwing strikes. He's got a, mid to upper nineties fastball and he's throwing a good slider. That's all on Trevor got. So he's come out of nowhere question but, for you guys. So since you said he's out of uh, options when they trim, it, trim he, the roster down, he out of options? he's out of options. So he'll, when they take away two players, he'll probably be staying in the bullpen. You would imagine. Okay. So and, well, that's the thing. It's like David Stearns has done this basically since he got to the Milwaukee Brewers, you get a, a collection of guys in the bullpen that you believe are big league capable arms. Mm -hmm. And if guys are out of options, instead of potentially losing him, they'll be, if they're fringe, they'll be like the low level, low stress relievers that'll come in. And, you know, if you're down 10 to two and it's the seventh inning, they'll get an inning or two here. That's like Brett Brett Phillips. (laughs) He he came in there. He looked good. He threw strikes. He got him out of there. And Mm -hmm. that's you. You can, I guess, say nice job, David Stearns, and nice job, Brewers front office. But I think more or less this early success, it's more or less just on Trevor Cott and the fact that he's pitching this well because they haven't had the time to really get in and and talk to this guy. He hasn't even been with the Brewers for more than like five, six weeks officially. So I want to get into what was said at the end of the broadcast on the TV side of things yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers after they beat the Cardinals. But first, our guy Poop Shooterton. I love that name uh, on Twitch says, how about this hashtag? We got to start using it. You got got, I can, I can dig it. And then he says, will he be demoted when the rosters go down? No, but I, yeah, I was going to say, I think we just answered yeah, that. Yeah. I, I doubt it. Like uh, the guys like uh, Gustave, who also pitched a couple times over the weekend. Like that's a guy that was like fringe big league level. That's got options. That'll be a guy that goes back and forth. Where options. Miguel, have options. Miguel Sanchez pitched uh, last year out of the bullpen at times. 
he was up in big league camp and was like one of the fringe guys that probably didn't make the bullpen because Trevor got didn't have any more options. Like you'll see those type of guys be floating back and forth all yeah. year. So Devin Williams, we'll get into that a little later, struggle a little bit. Someone and what's wrong with Josh Hader? What's wrong with Josh Hader? Uh, nothing is wrong with Josh Hader. He picked up his fourth save and the 100th of his career. 2-2 pitch coming from Josh Hader. Shakes off one. Now ready. The stretch. Here it is. Hey, struck him out swinging. And this one is over. He went to the breaking ball and struck out Arenado. Yep, so there you go. There's Arenado his, has, was nasty in that series, too. His 100th yeah. year save, Josh Hader and Arenado. Did all right. We know that Nolan Arenado is one of the best uh, defensive third basemen, but uh, he's been on fire and was on fire against the Brewers. Whether it was being off balance and still hitting it into the corner for a double or just crushing pitches. Yeah. And Josh Hader's like, uh-uh. I'm going to... You make sure the series is split. No, no, no. You're sitting down. Game's over. I'm going home. Let's go to the phones quick. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning. It's Corey from Marshall. Corey, thanks for the Easter wishes with your post yesterday from your whole family. Not a problem. And it was a, I know, a generalized sweeping happy Easter. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, man? How's your Easter? Don't want to get too specific. Oh, no. it was great. Lots of ham, waffles, whole brunch set so up. So you say waffles? Oh. Hell yeah. Ham and waffles. waffles. Wife was churning out Belgian waffles on the waffle maker. So. Good woman right there. Good woman. Oh, yeah. That's her favorite little food. So, yeah. Do you think uh, God's going to basically be the new Devin Williams where he kind of comes out of nowhere and he's the eighth inning guy rather than Devin Williams being the eighth inning guy? Rowdy, what do you think? I don't. See, I see if he continues to struggle with the strike zone, Brad Box. Yeah. If he continues to struggle with the strike zone, Devin Williams, that is. It, that's what's so nice about having a guy like Brad Boxberger on the roster. He's a guy that in the past was a closer. You saw him last year come in and out of the seventh inning, he was really good in that role. I, me personally, maybe there's a little bit more pressure from the you know the the seventh to the eighth inning. But I think if worse came to worse, Brad Boxberger will be right there to fill in for the eighth. Okay, you think uh, Williams struggles here is like something structurally with his hand or you think it's a little bit of just PTSD every time he looks at a wall <laughs> they're everywhere and there's a, there, there's that wall right behind you know you know the home plate umpire I won't lie I did send out a text I did send out a text with a little uh, wall but it's there when we were just saying bitching about the the fact that Williams couldn't throw a strike I go maybe he should go punch another wall because I need to get another pitcher in there but no I think I I don't think there's anything wrong with him structurally I think it's just He's just it's not early. throwing strikes, and he's a little rusty. Feels like there's something structurally wrong with his offense on the Brewers. I can say that much because they seem to really struggle scoring runs. I get that they got six yesterday, but man, hey, they got two Up new opinion. They got two new hitting coaches now. See, they need a third. Okay, this they is what I don't get. Any hands. <laughs> this is what I don't get. Uh, coming out of spring, Keston here was on fire, right? I, I thought that they would probably ride some of those guys that were really hot, especially in a short spring training. They did not. They yep. did not. And Rowdy Telez, he's been one of the hottest hitters. Then all of a sudden, I think Keston Hero started at first, like what, two Rowdy. out of the four games in the series? It's yep. like now you're sitting down one of the guys that was hot for a guy that was hot three weeks ago, but you decided not to, to really give him any at-bats. I, I didn't get that. Don't make no sense. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh, 
disconcerting. I'm going to say that with Yelich too. Because oh, yeah, he that, that average that average keeps dipping. Hey, you got yeah. on base though. You got to walk on base though. What does he do? Does he? But does he get on base? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That average keeps dipping. Now he's down to 200. Ooh. I think. Well, it would be nice if we had actual on real, base percentage. Uh, though, Corey, 359. Yeah. Well, it would be nice if they had actual beat writers in Milwaukee. Somebody would be doing some digging to see if there's actually a medical issue with his knee. And that there's something. Because Ronnie went over it a couple weeks ago when he was talking about or last week when you are talking about his swing. And I think there's been multiple guys that have done the same thing looking at, like, he just looks different swinging and not as comfortable. Well, everything so everything what looks wrong with him, it's like when he's trying to pull the baseball. To me, he looks fine when he's trying to go up the middle or to left field. Uh-huh when he lets the ball travel in on him, but when he tries to hit it out in front of the plate and he's trying to pull the baseball for power, put it in the seats, for, for power, every yep. time, watch it. I don't think Christian Yelich has hit a baseball to the pull side of the field that wasn't topped and a little weak grounder to either the pitcher, second baseman, or first baseman. Would that be something more with his oblique then? do you think? Like, there's a core injury? No. Corey, his glutes I'll say I'm not exactly sure his on that one. His bank account's weighing him down. I'm not a biologist, but <laughs> I definitely think that the fact there's something messed up with his swing when he's trying to pull the baseball. Brewers split with the Cardinals. Sunday, we saw, yesterday, saw Josh Hader pick up his 100th save of his career. The fourth of the season, Tyrone Taylor. They actually walked the batter before Tyrone Taylor to then get to Tyrone Taylor, who then was the difference? He had the, uh, was it a two out uh, double? Yeah, yeah. He nice hit, for Tyrone hit a hard, hard uh, hit ball down the left field line. My man, and but, like looking at what the Brewers, they're five and five, right? Mm-hmm. And if you pull up the standings, it's early in the season. They're ten games in. Technically, the Brewers are in second to last place. <gasps> First place, you got the Cardinals, five and three. They've had multiple games postponed due to rain. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Cubs and the Pirates both at five and four, and then the Brewers sitting there at five and five, and then the lowly Reds at two and eight. Mm-hmm. So the Brewers outside of the Reds are the only team that have played ten games. Man, I did not realize the Reds were two and eight. Well, they were selling everybody off. Wow. And they're going with three rookies in their rotation, kind of like what the Brewers well, somewhat the, did. But if I remember, the Pirates had the worst over under win total, right? Or the worst win total, right? Yeah, Pirates did. Yeah, and they're five and four. But that's what I'm saying. It's early Literally. in the season. The Brewers still technically right now are tied for the most wins in the Central. Yeah, they have two more losses in the Cardinals, but they've played two more games. Actually, so, looking at this Brewers team. Well, here, here I, I, I want you to answer that. I want you to say that, but first let me ask you this question. At the end of the broadcast, after they split with the, the Cardinals, I heard Rock say, man, the Brewers are really lucky to split this series. They're not playing their best baseball right now. They haven't really got it together yet. So, Rowdy, the question is, if Rock had mentioned, you know, they're not playing their best baseball, you remember the power rankings, they were anywhere from what? I think their highest is fifth for the power rankings when the season began? I think fourth. Fourth? And they had one of the their pick to win the NL Central over the Cardinals. So I wanted to ask you, you know, say what Rock said at the end of the broadcast. Like, man, they're lucky to get a split with the Cardinals. They're not playing their best ball. Then my thing would be, what's Rowdy's answer to that? Well, I would say just rule of thumb in professional baseball. If you have a four-game series, you should automatically be hoping for a split. Yeah. Now, that's a little bit different if you're like the, you know, late 90s, early 2000 Yankees playing the Pirates, then I would be hoping for a little bit more than a split. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. You should at least be thinking going in there, you can get a split. Mm -hmm. At 5-5 and for the Brewers through 10 games, 
I'm actually happy with where they're at. And this is this is my reasoning behind that. You look at where they started with Chicago. Played the Cubs. You had three games. It was supposed to be a four-game series. Obviously, one postponed due to rain. May 30th is the doubleheader. But in the three games that were played, you had Burns, you had Woodruff, and you had Peralta. None of which looked good. They all had their... They all had bad starts, and for Woody and and uh, Burns, you easily could say it's their worst start so far in the young season. And then they bounce back. They luckily found a win and salvaged the series, losing only two out of the three games. So they, they did find a win. Then they go and play lowly Baltimore. The offense is still not clicking. They end up taking two out of three against Baltimore and really did not score a ton of runs. Thankfully, Baltimore's pitiful offense is just worse than yeah. how bad the Brewers' offense has been. And then you go into the weekend series, four-game set with the Cardinals. You had your best game of the season on, on uh, what was that, Thursday night? Thursday, yeah. Where they came out and won 5-1, to one and they looked really good. 4-1-4 four, four day. Oh, then on Friday, you follow that up with arguably your worst game Ooh, of the season. That was stinky. Where you just got absolutely stomped. Then you go to Saturday with Adrian Hauser. Who Freddie throws Peralta? Up. Are you nervous about Freddie Peralta? Yeah, season? Freddie Peralta. He's like a not- two bad starts Yikes. here. I, I'm still not worried. Let me see where he's at after five or six. Yeah, because he got just blasted. But then Adrian Hauser gives you a hell of a hell of a start on Saturday. I think he went, what, five and two-thirds, gave up just one run. A little pitcher's duel. And the Brewers' offense was so pitiful, they couldn't even score a run. <laughs> then you find a way to win a back-and-forth game in which you grab the lead, gave it up, and then had to reclaim it and then hold on. Yeah, they split with the Cardinals two and two, but kind of like what Rock said, I'm happy that they're five and five because had they had to have played four games in Wrigley with how bad their pitchers looked the first time through yeah, the rotation, yeah, yeah. they could have went one and three. Totally. And with how bad the offense looked against Baltimore, if Baltimore could have found anything more than Cedric Mullins offensively, they would have they, they would have, they that have won too. too because yeah. the one game in which they actually scored some runs, they they won. Well. Outside of that, we know Baltimore has like one of the worst offenses in the league, and the Brewers found ways to win low-scoring games. Yeah, but yeah, so that kind of shades of last year at the end of the season when they didn't have any offense and were winning because of the pitching. Then the Cardinals series comes up, and yeah, you split two to two, but you have a great game, an awful game, a game in which you didn't score any runs, game three, and then you found a way to hold on, game four. Yeah, you could say, well, they should have won three out of four. But I'm I'm happy to take a split, especially oh God, against yeah. the team the- where you're not playing your best baseball or anything close to your best baseball against the team that you're supposed to be competing with in the central early in the season. You have the most amount. Of, I mean, you're tied with the wins. You're just down in the standings, but it's 10 like, games in. If it was a scale of one to 10 for the Milwaukee Brewers, where 10 is like last year in August where they were just red hot. Yeah. And one is like. Man, they can't do like anything. The, the right. end of the season, you're ending the playoffs. Yeah, where they're just coasting in. I'd say the this Brewer team is probably playing at about a three and a half level. I would, and they're finding what, and they're finding ways. Like yesterday was a nice game for the Brewers to find a way to win. I'd say bright spots for the Milwaukee Brewers: Andrew McCutcheon, number one. That guy has been electric. Rowdy Telez, that bat's been looking Rowdy nice. Rowdy Telez has been statistically their best hitter. Oh, so Kutch, Rowdy Telez. What's another bright spot here? Uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Wood are bouncing back from their first I would start. even say that for Josh his, Hader, his amount of playing time, Victor Carantini has played decently well. Yep, the he guy su- they had to scramble to get. He supplied a little bit of pop, 
And Tyrone Taylor came up huge. Actually catching a little bit more than I figured he would, so he's going to have to play well. So the Brewers are ready. Could you say that they got a, they got a nice sign of life here at first base? But if you, if, if you look at the starting pitchers, which is supposed to be their anchor, Corbin Burns has looked good one out of two starts. Mm-hmm. Woodruff has looked good one out of two starts. You could argue that Hauser's looked good at one out of two starts. And Lauer didn't necessarily look good in his first start. He gets the ball tonight. And we'll see where it's at. Like f- for right now, for how they've played, you can't be upset with them being 500 baseball team 10 no. games in because no. they've played like a lot worse totally. than what their record is. Yeah. They're just not, you know, this haven't gelled yet and they'll do it. Well, you look at the pirates brewers matchups tonight. You have Eric Lauer and I mean, overall Lauer through his entire career has historically been a better pitcher at home. Mm-hmm. And I think he throws better tonight versus uh, Thompson for Pittsburgh, who's relatively unknown, hasn't been in the big leagues very long, and only a few guys that weren't on this Brewers roster last year had seen him, like the Victor Carantinis or like the McCutcheons of the world. Then you have Brubaker versus Burns. Well, obviously, that's advantage Brewers uh, Advantage there. Burnsy. And Burns is the reigning Cy Young. Brubaker is a, a fringe starting pitcher right now. but Who, Baker? He's normally better at home as well. And then the final game of the series, it's Mitch Keller versus Brandon Woodruff. Obviously, that's a big Brandon Woodruff advantage. If you look at the three games and just the pitching matchups, we don't know how they're going to hit. If they continue to hit poorly, anything goes. But just looking at that three-game set, the Brewers should take two out of three pretty easily in this series. And I wouldn't be surprised if they swept. If Lauer gives them a good performance tonight, and Burns and Woodruff are back to being Burns and Woodruff or at least solid like their second starts. Two out of three is what should happen. Hey, two out of three ain't bad. Three would be not out of the possibility here. Yep. All right. And then after that, the Philadelphia Phillies. Ooh, and I have, I, have re- I have changed my date for when I'm hitting the Brewers oh, panic button. Was it button. May 6th? It was May 16th. 16th. I'm moving that back to May 19th. I want to make sure that they get through six full weeks. Six weeks, Rowdy? So, yes, May 19th will be my panic button. All right. May 19th. Not 16th. 19th. Who do they have? Who's that series before the 19th? You got to do that to me right when I pulled. Hey, I have it. I have it. I have it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Let's see here. That's the Atlanta Braves. Yep. That's the. Se- and then they would then be they have going a day off. The- Actually, the 19th is an off day. That's why I picked yeah. that day, going into a weekend series with the Nats. So when it comes to uh, watching the NBA playoffs, especially when it gets on TNT, I love those dudes. TNT, when you got Shaq on there cracking jokes, you got Sir Charles, those guys rule, dude. Well, that was like the one thing. So I told you I probably watch from October through March, probably six full NBA games. Now, I might watch a quarter or a half here and there. Fourth quarters. But Fourth quarters. When I'm completely focused in on just that one game and watching it from start to finish, it's basically the end of the regular season if there's like big time games where the the wins actually mean something. Yep. And it's the playoffs. And watching the playoffs, normally you have the halftime shows on and you're watching those. Or if you get in there a little early, maybe you see the pre or post game. But after watching the product that two entities both have TNT versus ESPN. I don't know. ESPN's coverage for everything sucks. Baseball 
is way worse than FS1 or MLB Network. Yeah. Basketball TNT is so much better than ESPN. NBA and TNT is awesome. Like on ESPN, what do you have? Like Mike Greenberg, Jalen Rose, and Stephen A. Smith. It's basically Jalen Rose and Stephen A. yelling, just screaming, just screaming the either at each other or about some nonsense. TNT, you you have what? Ernie Johnson, who's like yep. kind of like the calm father figure. The and then you, then you got the the three past players that are just going at it. And they and the thing that I love about especially Barkley and Shaq. They tell you exactly how they feel. Oh, they're great. Charles Barkley, it's going to be a sad day when he retires, and he's going to retire um, he turns, next, he next year. He turns 60, uh, I think, uh, two-thirds of the way through the NBA season, and he said he would. He was going to quit doing broadcasts once he turned 60. So I think we might get one more year out of Chuck. Yeah, uh, Ch- Charles Barkley, um, he went on a tirade, an awesome tirade, what, last year? Ta- he was talking about how, like, what did he essentially say? Like he, he called the women in Texas bigger and he likes bigger women and this and this and this, like how the years and people went nuts. How dare you body shame? How dare this? How dare that? And Charles Barkley's like, you guys are just lost your minds. He's like, I don't even want to deal with this anymore. And then he started ripping executives. Uh, I think even at TNT, uh, like, you know, being how cancel culture has just ruined everything. So Charles Barkley, that's why you're stepping away. Didn't he say that? And he's like, I'm done. Cause I can't, I can't even say a joke anymore more about the type of woman that I like and everything is bigger in Texas. Like who, who cares? The funny thing is like, they tell you exactly how they feel. And obviously when you're talking about Charles Barkley and you're talking about Shaq and even Kenny Smith, Mm -hmm. those are guys that played in the NBA for like a decade plus each. Mm -hmm. And two of them are hall of famers. Like those are really good players. Yeah. Jalen Rose was really good in college, kind of a journeyman in, in the pros. Stephen A. never played. Yet you have Mike Greenberg who never played, and he's f- much worse than um, Ernie Johnson yeah. when it comes to being kind of like the host. But I think the funniest thing is just even their banter back and forth. Like they were talking about uh, it was after the Bucks game how they had Coinbase on the court. Yeah, and Charles Barkley didn't understand what Coinbase was or crypto. I he's still, like, I have crypto. I don't even know what it is. He's so. like, we need to do a full show and just have the Coinbase people who are now our sponsors come in and we'll talk about crypto and basketball and blah blah blah. And it was funnier than hell because Shaq goes, "Hey Chuck, <laughs> hey, Chuck. if you give me a million dollars in cash, I'll make sure your crypto gets taken care of." <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> Kenny Smith, Kenny Smith, jokingly goes, "Yeah, hey Chuck, if you give Shaq a million dollars, give me a million dollars in cash, and I'll make sure your crypto stuff uh, gets figured out correctly too." Yeah, and you know what his response was? Charles Barkley comes back with. Now, why would I want to give $2 million to a bunch of dummies? <laughs> Nothing will get taken right or getting figured out right if I give you two $2 million. But it's like that they stuff is banter. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Or like they were debating on how fat each other were. Yeah, and like, you would never get that on oh, ESPN. No. Like they were... They- <laughs> It's just funny. It's just it's just like it's like before people lost their minds over just having a conversation with some jokes in it. Like, Shaq literally kept calling Barkley fat and how yeah. he wanted like a donut or whatever. And then Barkley goes, "Well, you're not small." He goes, "Shaq, how much do you weigh?" And Shaq's like, "Three fifty." Then he goes, "How much do you weigh?" They got him on the scale. Yeah, that's it's funny. It's funny. They put Barkley on the scale. How much do you think Barkley weighs? God, three 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 ten. 295. Really? But yeah, it was funny because they were going back and forth because he was trying to say how Chuck probably weighed as much as him. Yeah. So they 
sounds like during one of the breaks he got on the scale and they're like 295. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah, it's just, I'll be completely honest. Well, I'm always honest. I have not, outside of if they air a game, like if I have to watch the channel with the game, I have not legitimately watched ESPN, I would say, in 10 years. I have not watched a single show. I have not, like a talk show, I have not watched any of it, unless there is an actual game on ESPN. Well, okay. I have not watched one second of it for a decade now. The thing with like ESPN coverage, I re- I, it's the absolute worst for baseball. And, you know, remember when they first brought on Alex Rodriguez and then they got Matt Veskersian into the booth? And I'm like, ESPN's baseball coverage is 10 times better than what it was. I'm not an A-Rod guy. I think the guy's probably pretty slimy. He comes off as very slimy. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think a lot of people have that impression, but he knows what he's talking about for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Matt Vaskersian is like a staple in remember MLB baseball games. He would be like the announcer on the old MLB 2005 baseball games. Like he's been around, he cut his teeth and he's pretty good at what he does. They made them so much better when they got those two guys in the booth from where they were at. And now Vaskersian has moved to, I believe MLB network and I, a-Rod's not doing anything to my knowledge. Okay, I, I think I, he was at FS because FS1, they bring in, they have Big Poppy, which actually, broken English, it can be hard. Hey, big, I like Big Poppy, though. But Frank Thomas, he's really good, the Big Hurt. Yep, Big Hurt. Nick Swisher, who's a journeyman his whole life, but he's like exciting. He's enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. You have, I think A-Rod joins them from time to time. But they have like multiple guys that are like good that actually yeah. bring something. ESPN just throws these like loud people at you that are there's, trying there's to be personalities. Screaming to the abyss. But about they're, they're trying to be the old ESPN personalities, like the Stuart Scotts of the world. Like R-A-P. there's only one guy. At, in ESPN my opinion, used to be so good. ESPN was so awesome back in the but day. But all those guys have since moved on or left and or hardly featured. I anymore. couldn't tell you. I honestly couldn't tell you who's even on besides. Besides uh, Stephen A. Smith, I couldn't even tell you. There's only like one true personality that's still left and, and Greeny. At, I tell at Sports Center or ESPN, and that's Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, I, so see, I like him. So the, I figured it out. The last time I, that I had and le- literally legitimately sat down and watched the show, it was a year before Skip Bayless left for Fox Sports. So that was he left in 2016. So 2015. So it was seven years. That's the last time that I was watching ESPN for for their shows. That first games. take. Yeah, I like Skip's. Well, that's well, he's because he's got the Abyss too. But I like his. I like how just how he, even if how dumb it is, he still owns it. But that's <laughs> that's because when it was Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, they still ripped each other and called each other idiots. Yeah, kind of like if you were with buddies. Yeah, kind of what they do on TNT, but to a lesser extent, just more yelling. Yeah, but it was funny. It was entertaining. Now the fun has been ripped out of it from certain entities. And if you do have fun, boy, are they coming for you. You can't have fun in professional sports, man. No, no. Alright, we'll uh, come back. We gotta get into some Milwaukee Brewers. See, I would love if you had some just mundane matchups and you actually played them at the same time, I would love to see the ratings for ESPN versus TNT. Oh yeah, I bet sure we could figure that out. Research but there's just not can. many games where they overlap like that on two big networks. No.